Cigars Now podcast. <laughs> I am senior editor Nick Jimenez, joined by Eric Caruinho. <laughs> Tell ho, mate. And Ivan Ocampo. Okay, really weird hellos by both of you. I'm just going to give you the normal one. Hello. All right. We can live with that. Uh, so today on the Cigar Snob Podcast, we will be talking about this debonair cigar that we're smoking. That's not just a way to describe it. That's the name of the brand. That is the name of the brand. The debonair uh, Maduro. Bunch of cigar industry birthday stuff. The Oscars. Winners. Losers. Uh, and then we'll get into some recommendations, some South African land grabs, and an angry reader of Cigar Snob Magazine. I don't know if he was angry, but we'll get into all that after a word from our sponsor, Villiger Cigars. Villiger Cigars, celebrating 130 years in tobacco, unveils its first ever full-bodied premium handmade cigar in the Villiger La Vencedora. The Villiger La Vencedora is the follow-up cigar to the highly acclaimed Villiger La Flor de Inclán and Villiger Sandoro Colorado. This Nicaraguan puro, wrapped in a beautiful Nicaraguan Habano puro wrapper, boasts a potent full-bodied smoking experience featuring highly seasoned, hearty flavors. The Villiger La Vencedora, which translates to the victor, emits a billowing aromatic smoke throughout the smoky experience. The Villiger La Vencedora, a palate-pleasing, full-bodied, yet elegant cigar that will satisfy the cigar connoisseur as well as the casual smoker. And we're back. As we said before, we are smoking debonair, specifically the debonair Maduro. Normally we would read uh, a bit of uh, blurb from a uh, cigar manufacturer's website about whatever it is we're smoking, but in this case there's really not anything on their website that is uh, specifically about what the cigar tastes like. We can talk about it a bit ourselves. We just got this cigar in the mail from the folks at Debonair. Uh, it was featured in one of our, our nifty unboxing videos. I literally just posted that. <laughs> so yeah. if you go on uh, Facebook, you'll you'll see it. I It just went up even though we recorded it like uh, last week. You say you recorded it. That's right, yeah. With I, technical difficulties. I was the man behind the camera for that one. Um, but yeah, this is uh, it is wrapped in a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. It's got a Dominican binder and fillers from Central America and the Dominican Republic. So their website actually doesn't specify which Central American country is in the filler. Could be Honduras. Could be Nicaragua. Could be Guatemala. Who knows? Could be parts, Panama. Parts could be Panama. unknown. Yeah, uh, could be Belize. It could be Belize. It could be Belize. We're going to go with Belize. This has fillers from Belize and the Dominican Republic. No, no. Uh, no. Um, Let's not do that. We're not going to do that. We don't know where it's from, but it is Central American uh, in at least some of the filler. We are smoking this in, how would you say this, Eric? Is it Sajita? Sajita? I, I don't know. Sajita? Sajita. Well, Phil, Phil uh, owner of the company, uh, of the brand, Phil Zengi, has uh, an Italian background. Okay. So I'm trying to pronounce it in an Italian way, and I could be completely off. Got but it. I'm going to go with Sajita. Okay. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. So However, gonna... the cigar is made... Did I go way too loud there? No, no, no. Okay. Because I saw your reaction. No, no. Uh, so someone here at the office was saying, Sagita. 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 I don't know. Yeah. So. It sounds Japanese the way you're pronouncing it. Sajita? No, I have no idea. Me neither. But I really dig the size. The size is awesome. And, and uh, can we talk about it, Nick? We can talk about it. Okay. It's, it this is the, so the Sajita, 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 or Sagita, <laughs> pick whichever one you like, is a Petit Lancero. So this is a five and a half by 38 
I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, this is probably the smallest cigar that we've smoked on the podcast. Yes. So for the for the people who follow that sort of thing, that's, I guess, some, a noteworthy thing. This is the first time that you're hearing us smoke something uh, in a format like this. And it, it, it's interesting that in the smallest format we've smoked, it is uh, a very hardy Connecticut broadleaf. Um, Indeed. So it, it, packs, uh, it packs a punch. It punches above its weight so to speak, to borrow an Obamaism, But yeah, the it, it's, it definitely tastes broadleafy, right? It's It's got that hearty, peppery... And look, man, when you have a 38 ring gauge uh, and you've got this thick, hearty, as you said, uh, broadleaf wrapper, it's it's going to dominate, right? And, that, and that's a good thing in this case. Yeah. So, because it is quite tasty. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I literally just, just got into it. So, I want to give it a second. And I want to borrow your lighter there. Sure. Yeah, I like these. I like these Vitolas. Uh, I tell everybody that most of the cigars that are left in my humidor are usually the bigger sizes because I go through these small ones a lot. They're the first ones that I reach for. So flavor-wise, I really am really enjoying it. Um, and I love the size. So, cool. yeah, let's give it a little time. Yeah. So um, the other thing is the, is the package. And this isn't anything new, but their packaging is... It's different. Like it stands out. It's got like it's it's classic, but it feels very American, I guess, in a way, because this whole horse and carriage, or horse and cart, or whatever that thing is, horse and buggy, horse and buggy. Um, but yeah, I, I I dig that as well. It's a it's a nice looking cigar, on top of everything else. This, by the way, is distributed by Drew Estate, so they have a a pretty good distribution, and and they do a good job on their website. In case you're curious, of letting you know where you can get them. So and they do liquor too, right? Because I remember them starting off with like rums, I think. Yeah, they still have a rum. Uh, and Phil also owns the uh, Indian... Motorcycle. Um, Indian head. No. In, not Indian head. Sorry, no. Indian head is something else. Yeah. Indian but, motorcycle. Uh, right. The, the cigar brand. Yes. Brand. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we'll come back to the cigar in a bit. But last episode, we talked about that, Eric, you were going to be on your way to Rocky Patel's birthday party in Naples at Burn by Rocky Patel. I sure did. How was that? Report, oh, reporting it, back to us on the party. It's awesome as usual, right? Events at uh, at, at any event at Rocky Patel Burn is going to be good every time. So imagine when it's the man's birthday, right? So it was awesome. Uh, we what had time, a lot what, of driving that what day. What time did you go to bed? I, I mean, I don't really remember. I So my sister and I pulled up to our hotel, dropped off our car, and Ubered there so that we wouldn't have to worry about Naples cops, and uh, so we Ubered there and Ubered back, and uh, I couldn't even tell you what time we got back. After Burn started to slow down, Rocky, as he uh, typically does, will take a, a few of his friends out and and we'll grab something to eat at like eleven or midnight, and then after that, go back and keep hitting the hard stuff. So yeah, we had a good time. What would you? What was Rocky's uh, birthday late night meal? What, what is so, uh, so there's a restaurant right across from Bern in okay. Naples called Clavo, and uh, I, I believe Rocky is a partner there, and so he orders way too much food. He, by the way, eats very little. I don't know if you guys know how, uh, like, he's on a health kick, and he's working out daily. And yeah, he looks fit. He looks incredibly fit. He'll jump on a table if you want him to <laughs> from a standing <laughs> position just to show you how fit he is. Is that something he goes around saying, I'll jump on a table? He, tell me to jump on a table. He comes very close. He comes very close to telling you, hey, if you want, I will jump on this table. <laughs> uh, so so anyway, he uh, 
he ordered a bunch of different foods, these little sliders, uh, oh man, all kinds of sushis and all, all kinds of stuff. So, uh, we ate way too much for that time of the night, at least for me. Like I can't eat it that late, but I did. Cause he kept going, no, you have to try this. Have you had this? Have you tried this? And then it was like, at the end of the night, I had uh, way too much food. But uh, but the wine was good. Rocky's big into wine. Uh, so yeah, it was awesome. Awesome. What, what can I tell you? Rocky Patel Burns always a good time. He said uh, Pittsburgh is uh, is almost ready to open. Is the the new burn location in Pittsburgh? Yes, the burn uh, the new burn in Pittsburgh is about to open, and the uh, Oklahoma City is. Uh, close behind cool so uh we're gonna start to see uh, a bunch of these open up and they are and from what he tells me i haven't been yet and uh, ivan you and i are slated to go there very soon uh but from what he tells me each burn is gonna have a very different feel very different look and uh he's extremely excited about it so i can't wait other things we can't wait for our next el galang cigar el galang is a sponsor of this episode they are the makers of El Galang Reserva Especial, which comes in four box-pressed sizes. Airosos, which is the 5x52, the 5 and 3 quarters by 54 Apuestos, the 6x52 Gallardos, which is a torpedo, and the 6x60 Obesos. These are all 100% Nicaraguan cigars made with Jalapa Oscuro wrappers, available in stores nationwide. You can find El Galang Cigars at their website, which is elgalangcigars.com, and search for them the same way on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So that's El Galang Cigars, E-L-G-A-L-A-N, cigars.com. Uh, El Galang is, uh, is owned by Felix Mesa, as we've said numerous times here. He is not only our friendly neighborhood tobacco man, but also uh, the owner of this brand, and we'll be running the new Fuente factory in Esteli. Um, called La Bella y la Bestia. Called La Bella y la Bestia, which uh, for more information on that, you can go back to our uh, podcast interview with Carlito Fuente. You know what we haven't done when we've talked about these cigars is what these Vitola names mean. We talked about El Galang being like the gallant guy or the gallant one. Um, but these names are all kind of like in line with that theme, no? So you've got airosos, which is sort of like someone who puts on airs. Yep. Uh, apuestos. Well, how would you... How would you yeah, that's, a good, that's a good one. I don't know how you would describe un apuesto. Yeah. Well... Someone... No sé. All right. Well, we're going to leave you hanging on that one. Uh, Gallardo... Well, if I would have known you were going to go no, this I route, know, I would have looked just, it up. Just trying to change things up a little bit here. Obesos is... But an apuesta is a bet. Exactly. So yeah. someone who is apuesto... Maybe it's like... Uh, Que es atractivo o tiene buena presencia. Ah, so especialmente un hombre. There you go. to do with betting. So Nothing. just an attractive guy. Dapper. Like a dapper, dapper. dashing gentleman. Go. Yeah. And obesos. So <laughs> not dapper. Not dapper. <laughs> just large. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so El Galang Cigars. Again, you can find them at elgalangcigars.com. Check them out. Smoke their cigars. Good stuff. We're big fans around here. And now, back to your regularly scheduled podcast. We are... Um, <clears throat> going to wish a happy birthday. The birthday's today, right? Liana Fuente? Exactly today, yes. We are recording this March 6th, and today is Liana Fuente's birthday. So it's a nice little segue from uh, Fuente Connected Guy to a Fuente birthday. Liana Fuente, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Liana. Happy should, birthday, Mongi. Should we sing her happy birthday? 
I think we're going to go the same route. We're going to have to find another. Because if we gave Rocky the mariachi sure. treatment, we're going to have to see what we do with Liana. But uh, we'll cut in. Liana, this birthday wish is for you. Here you go. <laughs> this one goes out to Liana Fuente. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Jenny. Happy birthday to you. बार दिन के आए बार बार दिल ये जाए तू जिए हजारों साल ये मेरी है आरज़ू लियाना wins a birthday song but this weekend, a lot of people won other stuff at the Oscars. Uh, let's go down the list here. We'll just go through the winners. So Best Picture went to The Shape of Water, a movie we've recommended here on the podcast. Best Actor to Gary Oldman. Eric, you mentioned having seen Darkest Hour. That got... Or did you see I, Darkest Hour? I did not. No. I so, did oh, not. All right, well, we, yeah, I guess we didn't talk about it here. Whatever. Um, <laughs> best actress Frances McDormand for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I what I find that. funny is how many of these movies Nick recommended throughout the podcast. A lot of them, right? Three yeah. billboards was one of his uh, yeah. recommendations. Yeah, yeah, Shape yeah. of Water. Shape of Water was another. I Tonya. I Tonya. It's crazy Itonia. how uh, Nick Itonia. is in line with the. Uh... I'll tell you what's funny. I'm looking at the show notes here, and I'm saying, you know what? I saw most of these movies, and I think Nick recommended a bunch of them. Except for Larry Bird. I did not see any movie, but it's actually Lady Bird. Lady Bird. <laughs> Does it say Larry Bird on the list? No, no but I saw it. I was like, man, I don't remember seeing any movie at the Oscars called Larry Bird. You know, now hang on a second because there's also uh, Get Out. Get Out, yeah. Right? Which one and best screenplay? Wait, I recommended that. And he that recommended one. That's that's right. that. Yeah. So I. I'm, Boom. I think yeah. I'm, I'm recommending too many books, so that's not cool. We could look into it. For all we know, you're recommending a bunch of award-winning books here. Mm, I'm not liking my performance uh, on the recommendations. But uh, yeah, Best Supporting Actor went to Sam Rockwell, also three billboards. Uh, Best Supporting Actress, Allison Janney for I, Tanya. Best Original Screenplay, Get Out, which was written by Jordan Peele. And Best Adapted Screenplay, Call Me By Your Name, uh, which was written by James Ivory, based on a novel by Andre Aciman. I might, might have said that wrong. Finally, Best Animated Feature Film, was Coco. So, uh, which of these uh, have you, we? And we've at least two of us have seen Coco, right? You yeah. saw Coco. I yep. saw Coco. I have not seen Coco. So Eric has not seen Coco, but Coco is also good. It wasn't like I'm gonna definitely be showing it to my kids whenever they're you know in existence. What are you trying to say, Nick? What am I trying to say? Are you making some sort of announcement? No, I'm not making an announcement. Well, I'm, I'm making the announcement that I'm not crazy about Coco. All right, all right. Um, I just want to be clear. No, but I'm just saying it's it's not like Beauty and the Beast, you know, Aladdin level great in my mind. Yeah, I don't think so. But it was entertaining and it was different. Entertaining uh, I did, movies are always good. I did, uh, I did show it to a group of kids, but I do, I do uh, appreciate that most of these uh, made for kids kids movies nowadays actually has a lot of interest yeah, that adults can pay attention sure. to so are there any on this list that you you would have given the award to somebody other than the person who won or movie that won whoa you needed to give me some time to think about this one so gary oldman won best actor yeah 
He should have won Best Supporting Actor for his por- portrayal of a Jamaican drug dealer. True romance. Uh, and true romance. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just throwing that out there. Let's see. So I, I'm terrible for this because I haven't seen enough yeah. of these. I'm, I'm really... Uh, Everything that The Shape of Water won was very deserving, especially Guillermo del Toro yeah. taking Best Director because if you can take yeah, a you script... Can make that work. Yeah, about a uh, girl who falls in love with a sea monster... I have seen um, The Shape of Water referred to numerous times as Grinding Nemo. Ooh, <laughs> I like this. <laughs> Which I think is pretty great. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and call that Grinding Nemo uh, from here on out. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the, the choices were pretty solid. There at least weren't any like obvious you shouldn't have won yeah. choices here. Well, so my, my son, Anthony, thinks it's funny that that The Shape of Water, a movie about a woman falling in love with a sea monster... He's 10 years old. He finds that to be hilarious. Completely yeah. and utterly really hilarious. Yeah, it's, so. it's pretty funny. Um, so if you watched the ceremony, and this really wasn't a surprise, but it's it's almost impossible to talk about the, the ceremony and even some of the winners without some of that, like, social messaging. Oh, my God, it was rampant. So, yeah, I mean, you had everything from, uh, you know, shots at Mike Pence in the opening monologue to Francis McDormand's uh, uh, acceptance speech. Putting the Oscar way down by her feet and, and, then and about pointing the, out. And the, uh, the writers. Uh, yes. Yeah, the uh, inclusion writer uh, comment all the way at the end. How about uh, Trump's tweet? Did you hear about know, this? I don't know about Trump's tweet. What did Trump, this, these are always good. I got it here. Ready? Lowest rated Oscars in history. Problem is, we don't have stars anymore except your president. Oh, man. <laughs> Just kidding. He said, "Just kidding." Yeah, he did. <laughs> what a great tweet! <laughs> oh my god! All you can do is laugh. All you can do is laugh at this uh, at this guy's tweets. It's yeah, I it's, mean, it's unpresidential, obviously. Yeah, uh, but he's gone way past that. <laughs> so, so at this point, now you just laugh, and it becomes the new normal. Absolutely. So, what what were your general thoughts on on some of the the tone and tenor of uh, of that Oscars night? And does it even matter? It's tough, right? It's tough. You, 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 when you're in that position and you want to, uh, you know, get your message out. I understand. I just, it's, it just, it was over and over and over and over. Just, it was uh, the the feminist movement, the Mexico with the wall, and and so it was just nonstop messaging. So I think it took away a little bit from the celebration of the actual oscars right and, and to your point i think it ends up making you or at least some people wonder like hey, am i watching people awarding the best art or am i watching people awarding the ideas that they want to advance right um because almost all of the films that that won have a little bit of that right like did i'm not saying coco wasn't the best animated feature but Having all that in between the awards makes you wonder: ah, Did it win because it win because it's Coco, or did it win because it's Mexican? Um, did I, did did Allison or not Allison? Did uh, McDormand win because of her performance, or did she win because she plays an angry, uh, you know, feminist going after a male cop um, and police department? So it, it kind of I, I think. Yeah, but then at the same time, you know, you you have obviously the Darkest Hour, which has no agenda to speak of. There, I mean, it doesn't seem like it. And what's the agenda on The Shape of Water? Hmm. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. No, I, just other than the fact that Guillermo del Toro himself is Mexican. Right. But no, I, but I think that uh, the interesting part is that 
it does seem like the awards were given on merit. And it just so happens that in some of these cases, it lines up probably because of what's going on socially in the world right. and in our country. And I, and I think that plays into it. But I, but I think that the, uh, the Academy got it, got it right in most cases here. Yeah. I just think yeah, I'd, I'd like to see, see it done in a way that doesn't make you question yeah. those, those motives, you know? Uh, and also just, you know, and this, there's not anything that you can do about this. Like people are drawn to whatever profession they're drawn to, but there isn't a lot of that diversity of ideas. Case in point, Gary Oldman, uh, in his speech, you know, he he gives a speech that wasn't particularly impressive, but, you know, has a pretty, like, milk toast uh, message about, like, yeah, I'm glad to be in this country where I have opportunity and this, that, and the other thing. And it's just dead, like, crickets yep. in yeah. the crowd uh, where anybody giving a best actor speech normally or, you know, would would get something just sure. out of obligation for, like, you're supposed to clap for best actor, but just total cricket maneuver yeah. through that whole thing. So. And then you had the orange pins. There were lapel pins in fa- uh, for gun control. Um, so it was just all over the place. Meanwhile... I think the transgenders were pulling for a shape of water for the uh, sea monster. It was the sea monster <laughs> transgender? Wow. Whoa. They might have been pulling for that. As always, send your angry letters to feedback at cigarsnobmag.com. Yeah. Attention, Ivan Ocampo. <laughs> Uh, we have two transgenders that listen to our show. I know who they are. <laughs> they're friends of the, they're friends of the magazine, so we're good with them. Yeah, I don't even know where I was gonna go. After yeah, that. no, it's like you hear the brake screeching and the record label screeching. Anyway, so let's uh, let's go back to unless we have something else Oscar related that we want to say here. But yeah, back to Debonair. Uh, what do you guys think? I'm, I'm I'm maybe an inch in, and it hasn't changed a whole lot. I think maybe it's mellowed a bit. Some of the pepper is faded, which is. Which is good. I think, like up front, it lets you know what it is, but it kind of has backed off. Yeah, there's a there's a good bit of strength though for being such a a small cigar. Good bit of strength, little earthiness balanced by the by a sort of ripe fruit sweetness that that wrapper gives, and a touch of chocolate. That's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm enjoying it. Ivan, yeah, I'm getting cinnamon, a good amount of pepper. I've had to relight it uh, once. I don't know if that's because I was talking or. Yeah, it's tough with the yeah. with the podcast because we end up talking through right. your next puff. Yeah, so I, I had to light it too. If I were picking out a Vitola for this wrapper, uh, I probably would smoke it in something a little wider. Yep, because it, it you know it's a Lancero or a Petit Lancero, so it burns hot. But even still, it's not so hot that it's like uh, you know uh, charring my palate or anything. Uh, no, 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 not at all. Not but at all. but I th- I think in a I think in a wider Vitola, I, I would pick up. A little bit more of the of the nuance, uh, and uh, you know, cooler smoke would be nice for this. We rated the Debonair Maduro, which is this same blend, but I think it was a, a Torpedo or a Bellicoso. It rated okay. very, very well. I can I can bring a couple of those in sure. so that we can uh, revisit. In a in you know, we we've never done that. We've never smoked a cigar in one Vitola in one podcast and then yeah. smoked it on another on another. So I think we can maybe try that. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I remember we all loved it. So, yeah, I mean, look out for – by the way, if, if you've smoked this in more than one size, write us at feedback at cigarsnobmag.com. Uh, and even if it's not for this cigar, what are your feelings in general on Lanceros, Petite Lanceros? Do you prefer wider ring gauges, smaller ring gauges? Uh, let's get that geeky email machine going, and we'll, uh, we'll maybe read your feedback on an upcoming episode of the podcast. Uh, nice segue, Nick. Oh, yeah. So we will come back to the cigar uh, in a bit. But 
In the meantime, we will be talking about South Africa. Oh, I, baby. I honeymooned in South Africa um, in, I believe it was May. Yeah, May of uh, 2017. It was awesome. The place is great. Unfortunately, I guess depending on who you ask, but I think there's probably consensus around this table. This is unfortunate. But clearly some people disagree because that's how the votes happen. Uh, the South African legislature voted, uh, and I'm basing this on a number of, uh, of news reports, but who knows if maybe some of the specifics are a little different, but voted to uh, um, basically amend the Constitution, specifically Section 25, which is about property rights, uh, to allow for the confiscation of white-owned farmland without any compensation for the landowners. Um, this is a, a result of a, a pretty radical uh, movement that has, for a while, I think they're the, the Economic Freedom Fighters is the name of the political party there. Yep. And uh, there's been a, a push for a long time to have like some more, you know, racially representative land ownership in in South Africa and I think as of 2014 the shift they had been there had been a shift of like 8% of land ownership from white to black and that was like short of whatever the goal was but they've moved from doing that on a uh what I saw quoted as a willing buyer willing seller model which is basically just like hey let's you know improve everyone's lot and hopefully some black people will buy land right mm-hmm. uh which is the way that you hope that goes uh, and shifted to more of a compulsory uh, model, which had been tried in Zimbabwe, which apparently uh, should hit the fan there. Did and not work out well. Did not work out well. Food shortages and the whole thing. I guess we shouldn't get too bogged down on the South African thing because none of us is particularly knowledgeable here. But I, you know, we were talking about this earlier, and I think that there is There's some parallels, right? There are some parallels. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you know you always hear, oh, this could never happen here, this could never happen there. And South Africa was a pretty well developed, stable country since the end of apartheid. And and there it goes. And yet there's a bunch of dudes that own farms that are about their land's about to be taken. Now, how they went about getting that land in the first place, right, is that's not part of the equation here. And that, that's what we don't know. But holy mackerel, you know, you're the you're the grandson of, uh, of this farmer. You've been growing wine in South Africa and suddenly you're about to you're about to lose your farm. Right. Without right. an option. So, yeah, there's a parallel, though, with, uh, with what happened in Cuba, right? Right, yeah. And, and so people think, like, like what you were saying, people think, oh, that would never happen in a, in a stable, uh, modern country. And yet here it is happening as we speak. Now, what we don't know, again, is, you know, how those guys went about getting the land in the first place. And so that's why we don't have much of an opinion here. And how much land is it? Because I did a little research just to see, because I've never been to South Africa. No, I mean, no, I've no. heard, yeah, and I've heard stories. I mean, I know, you know, all the news that comes out of there. But whites make up 9% of the population. I, that's what I just Googled right now. Yeah, that so, sounds right. So how much land are we really talking about them taking? Still. Yeah, and, yeah, and then that's part of what if we it's, don't know. Yeah, right? if it's, yeah, let's say it was all... All 9% owned land, it's 9% probably too much. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's also something that should concern cigar smokers in general, right? Because this is, ultimately, this is, a, you know, for, for all of Mandela's uh, racial justice uh, accomplishments, right? And, you know, there's definitely something to be applauded that, 
it was a revolution that managed to you know be led by somebody who was ultimately pushing for more of a reconciliation sort of thing. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, it was a communist revolution. Like you read through the Constitution, and uh, you know they don't have to change a lot to pull something like this off. So the system is pretty backwards on an economic level, uh, as are. Uh, you know, the the system in, like, Nicaragua. The system in Nicaragua is, you know, they're allowing for some of this stuff, but they're run by a former Sandinista, yeah. basically. Um, Honduras, also, you know, very socialist-leaning government. Uh, so it's one of those things that it's like... Yeah, so and, and that is the reason why we're talking about exactly, it, right? It's right. not that we... Because I imagine someone listening to the podcast right now is going, what the hell do these guys care about what's happening in South Africa? Right. This is a cigar podcast. So I just want to be clear that the reason we're talking about it is because of the parallel with the cigar business in Nicaragua and Cuba and Honduras. Exactly. So, yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you look at all of these cigar producing countries and how many Cubans own the farms in Nicaragua, Honduras, the Dominican. Look at Lito Gomez. He's, you know, uh, uh, I guess he's an American. Uruguayo, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, he's a, a landowner in the Dominican. Um, so, you know, it, I think it's one of those things that you should never get too comfortable with the idea that stability has gotten to the point where you're never going to get unstable. There's always a chance that something like this happens. And hopefully, uh, you know, this doesn't go all the way to fruition in in South Africa. I think it still has to go through some legal hurdles. But to give you an idea, here's a quote from Julius Malima, who is the head of those uh, economic freedom fighters. Um, This is pretty freaky. But he says that in 2016, he said that we are not talking about the slaughter of whites at least for now. <laughs> so, <laughs> pretty freaky stuff. Um, what do we end on? Like some thoughts and prayers for South Africa or something? Because it, it, and this is bad news, not just for white people in South Africa, but for everybody. Because if you have food shortages, because the land is communally owned, it's, you know, there are a lot of people already living in bad enough poverty there without the government creating more problems for them because they'd rather them not have food than buying it from white people. Uh, so, anyway. We will, we will keep an eye on that situation. And it also has, by the way, a connection to Cameroon because the way the South Africa goes, the rest of Africa typically follows in a lot follows, of ways. Yeah. Um, so it, it could spell trouble uh, for a lot of other African countries. So a lot of people in South Africa are clearly upset. So is one person who reads Cigar Snob magazine. Yes. Uh, we got what is my personal favorite email of all time. To Cigar Snub Magazine. Really? This is your personal favorite? This is my personal favorite. Huh. Just it's, it's, it's really good. So we're going to read this email to you all. Uh, you know, this guy wrote the feedback email, so he can't possibly have a problem with us putting it out there. We'll, we'll leave his last name with an initial, as we usually do. Uh, and the email reads thusly. Hello. I have been a cigar smoker for about 25 years now. I'm in Cuba about 10 times a year and acquire my cigars directly from a roller at the El Corona factory in Havana. My favorite is the Cohiba Piramides Extra. I grew up on a tobacco farm. I know tobacco and cigars. I have three issues with your magazine. Why the girly photos? Are men really that attracted to skinny, breastless, six-foot-tall, angry women pretending to like cigars? I would get rid of them. It's demeaning to the cigars. And yes... I am totally heterosexual. So we'll pause there. I'm a big fan of the phrase totally heterosexual. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not something we can relate to. The rest of us are only moderately heterosexual <laughs> here. So I'm afraid we can't really empathize with this 
with this position. But uh, Eric, as uh, as the founder of the magazine, why the girly photos, and why do you like tall, angry women who are breastless? <laughs> Man, you know uh, the uh, the idea for the for the girly photos came very very early on uh, in the magazine. We uh, we started with uh, with no girly photos in issue one and two, and then by issue three. My man Ivan Ocampo and I uh, decided, man, we need to do something to to spruce something, spruce things up, right? Get get people looking at the magazine, and uh, let's bring on some titless, six foot tall, angry uh, women. He said, "Breastless, Ivan, <laughs> breastless, <laughs> skinny, breastless, six foot tall, angry women." So he's not wrong on the six foot thing because most of these girls are, they are Amazon women, but. Uh, I, I think he's in the minority here. In the minority, definitely. Right. I would say so. And, and it's funny. The, the people who I tend to see most engaged with those photo shoots are women. Like, it's funny how much, yeah. The men will say they're, yeah, they're cool. Like, I like them. I dig that. Oh, hey, nice pictures. But the women are the ones who spend the most time per page on those photos, at least when I watch people flip through the magazine. Yeah. Uh, or maybe the men, like, find... Uh, from the very beginning, by the way. Yeah. From the very beginning, from, from the first time, from issue three, when we first put a model on the... Uh, on the cover and did a photo shoot inside uh women have been talking about the clothes in there yeah from day one so so that's that's interesting uh and then you can't argue when you go to cigar stores all around the country and canada where this guy's from right and you see our centerfolds uh hanging on walls uh in cigar shops you can't argue with that all right so the next paragraph in this guy's note why would anyone, sorry, why would anybody want to see photos of total strangers holding slash smoking cigars? Six or seven pages of them yet. Cigar aficionado does the same thing, and I could never understand it. So I don't know how many people this guy would like us to put in the magazine who are not strangers to him. Yeah. But that's another thing is why would people like to see photos of total strangers holding and smoking cigars? I assume he means people who like you don't know, like he means nameless the event faces. Pages, yeah. Well, oh, I, I figured, yeah, maybe. No, that I think is. he means no, maybe he means the is. event pages. You're right, yeah. and uh, and you know, Pro Cigar was the perfect example of why you do want to see this, right? When I was at Pro Cigar, I, I related the story last podcast yeah. that I ran into this guy who bought his ticket. And sorry, just uh, it, it was two podcasts ago because it was the last oh, time we did a, uh, one of these conversations. But yeah, two in case somebody wants to go back and listen. But yeah, two podcasts ago. Yeah, I ran into this uh, this gentleman and his son-in-law who were at Pro Cigar because they discovered the event on our pages, on our event pages. So I beg to differ. I think plenty of people do like to see other people enjoying cigars at events, uh, even if they are total strangers. Sure, yeah. And there are a lot of people who travel for those events. I think some people underestimate the number of people who travel around the country for those events. Yeah, I'm, I'm questioning whether or not this guy actually does enjoy cigars with other people. He's just like a loner, like a hermit yeah. who smokes cigars uh, that he buys from El Corona factory. How can you call yourself a cigar publication and ignore, arguably, the best cigars in the world? Yes, Cuba. <laughs> so this is a question that we get a lot, especially from the international readership. I'll let you guys, again, because you guys have been around from day one with the magazine, um, explain to the people why it is that we don't deal with Cuban cigars for the most part. Well, our publication uh, started off distributed only in the U.S. Nowadays, we are in other places, but um, in other countries, I should say. But 
the idea is that Cuban cigars cannot legally be purchased in the United States. And therefore, it's impossible for a cigar store to sell them legally. Our magazine is distributed throughout cigar stores. Initially, that's where we were. Now, obviously, we're in many more places. But how can we talk about a product that is not legally available here? It just didn't make sense from day one. Right. Right. So a cigar store. And I know that a cigar, I know Cigar Aficionado does uh, rate Cuban cigars. And God bless them. They started off as an international magazine from the beginning. We didn't. And, uh, and so we choose to rate only cigars that are legally available in the U.S. When that changes, we will immediately start rating Cuban cigars. So these, finally, uh, these are the things that make me go, hmm. So it's several M's followed by an H, not hmm, but hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, keep up the good work. I don't know what good work he thinks we're doing, because apparently everything we do is wrong. Uh, cheers, Nick E., I'll cut out the part where I said his last name. Cheers, Nick E., St. Thomas, Ontario. Uh, Again, this was sent via feedback at cigarsnobmag.com. Again, you can send your feedback there, and we will uh, maybe read it and address it on the podcast. Or bash it. Or bash it. Uh, You know, so sorry, Nick, you're wrong about everything. (laughs) Calm down. Uh, (laughs) All right, and uh, we are going to break for a moment for a word from one of our non-Cuban... Cigar sponsors, Villiger. Villiger Cigars is celebrating 130 years in tobacco and unveiling its first ever full-bodied premium handmade cigar in the Villiger La Vencedora. It's a follow-up to the highly acclaimed Villiger La Flor de Inclán and Villiger Sandoro Colorado. The Nicaraguan Puro is wrapped in a beautiful Nicaraguan Habano Oscuro wrapper and boasts a potent full-bodied smoking experience featuring highly seasoned, hearty flavors. The Villager La Vencedora is a palate-pleasing, full-bodied, yet elegant cigar that will satisfy the cigar connoisseur as well as the casual smoker. Make sure that you visit Villager online at villagercigars.com. Check them out on Facebook, facebook.com slash villager.northamerica. Twitter at Villager Cigars, that's cigars with an S at the end, and Instagram at Villager Cigar. Just Villager Cigar, no S at the end, on Instagram. All right, and we're back, and we're going to give you some of our parting recommendations every episode we end, letting you know some of the things that we think you should buy, eat, smoke, drink, do, watch, listen to. Ivan, what do you got? My recommendations are starting to sound like a Bob Vila, like home improvement uh, spot. But you've been doing a lot of that. Because I think last time I told you not to buy a certain type of wood stain, so I'm still on the home improvement kick here, and... What I am recommending for you to buy, which I did use and it was excellent, was a Freud Diablo ATB carbide tipped saw blade. Okay, I'll tell you why I bought this. I know this sounds super complicated. It's a, it's a saw blade Fra Diablo? Fra, no, <laughs> not Fra Diablo. That's just what I heard. Maybe it's because I'm hungry, but I heard Fra Diablo there. What is Fra Diablo? It's a sauce. It's an Italian way of preparing like shrimp or chicken. Okay. That was over my head. Shrimp, fla- shrimp, blah, 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 blah. Shrimp, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yes. Shrimp Fra Diablo. Okay. Back to my saw blade. So I have this cheap, crappy circular saw that I use. And I was cutting some, some two by fours and the thing would jam up on me. And I wanted to throw this thing away. I said, you know what? Let me change the blade before I throw this thing away. 
Oh, because you thought it was the actual circuit. It's yeah, not just yeah, because it was a cheapo. I paid like 30 or 40 bucks for it. So I said, let me let me change the soft blade to see if it makes a difference. And this thing cuts. Butter. Like butter. Yeah. Amazing. So I don't know if it's because of the brand, Freud Diablo. Freud Diablo. <laughs> Or because of the type of blade it is, which is a carbide tip blade, but this thing's amazing. Anyways, if you gotta cut any wood, use this blade. What kind of wood were you cutting, man? Like two by fours. Just two by four pine. Two by four, yeah. The thing with the old one with White the pine old blade. Or yeah, no, I'm yeah uh, would jam up instantly. Anyways, with this thing, it's awesome. So it might only cut for the next twenty or thirty cuts. But as of right now, it's Forget amazing. You're giving it a compliment. Stay with the compliment. Yeah, 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 it's good. No, no, no. So I, I want I can't wait to see what the finished product looks like. Oh yeah, I got some stuff to show you guys. Yeah, yeah. You're bringing in some woodwork. I'll take pictures. I'm not bringing <laughs> okay. anything in. All right, Eric. What are you recommending? Oh man, I, I'm easy uh, right now. Really, I'm getting in the you know basketball season is heating up now, right? So we got March Madness coming up. I was at a heat game last night. The heat are starting to look good. The uh, these races for playoff spots down the stretch are are becoming a lot of fun to watch. And uh, so, yeah, basketball, basketball, and more basketball right now. Oh, I thought it was going to be like a book on tape, like a John Wooden Oh, basketball. you're such a dick. <laughs> That's what no, the getting. John Wooden book is very it good, is though. It is good, though. <laughs> uh, the Pyramid of Greatness. So I have, uh, I have three recommendations. I know, I know. You know what he does? He doesn't even put them in the show notes I, I only so that of, we don't know what the I hell. only thought of them now. It was a last-minute, you know, scrambling. One of them I just thought of when you were talking about basketball. You can get online. This is sort of one of those, like, easy, cheap, watch an Oscar winner things. You can get online, search on YouTube for Dear Basketball, and watch the short film that got Kobe Bryant his Oscar. Oh, cool. Um, Good idea. So, yeah, look up Dear Basketball on YouTube, and you can find it there. Uh, I did like your tweet about it, though. What was about Shaq? That's right. Yeah, Shaq really. Shaq was robbed. Kobe Bryant, you know, should be. He just comes in, has his little short film, uh, bam, wins an Oscar. Kazam, Steel, Blue Chips. Kobe Bryant should be in Shaq's Oscar shadow right now, for sure. Uh, but you know, there is no justice in the world. What can I? What can I say? So, second recommendation: the December twentieth episode of the Tim Ferriss Show, which is a podcast. Tim Ferriss is the author of Four Hour Work Week and a bunch of other things. It's his interview with Terry Crews. So you know him from those like Old Spice commercials and uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I was shocked at how interesting this guy is. Oh, cool. Super cool story. He played in the NFL after uh, being like an award-winning high school painter. Uh, painter? Yeah. He went to... Like he, artist? Yeah. Yeah. He was painting and then he, uh, he talks... That guy does not strike me as an artist. No. And it, got to, it was to the point that he, he took art classes while he was playing football while he was doing abs. While he was doing abs and yeah, playing seriously. football in college. And he actually, because he was a football player, and obviously like you don't really have time to engage in a class like a normal student, uh, according to him, he was like taking all his work from high school, and he just was turning in from oldest to newest, so it looked like he was progressing throughout the class. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that and like all kinds of interesting stuff. So it, I think most people will be surprised at what an interesting uh, character this guy is. And finally, third recommendation, by the way, come in here if you guys want to even even out the recommendations. But I only learned about this recently. Uh, MakeAmericaDinnerAgain.com. Pretty cool story. It's these uh, two Clinton voters in San Francisco 
who I guess were among the like horrified, confused uh, progressives after this last election when Trump won, started this uh, website, program, project, whatever. And the whole idea is that uh, they uh, help people host dinners all over the U.S. with the specific intent of bringing together people with differing political views to have dinner and like talk about stuff. So that was a pretty cool idea. When are you hosting your dinner? Soon. Soon. We will announce it on an upcoming okay. episode of the Cigar Snob podcast. Uh, the dinner will be hosted at the offices of Cigar Snob, and we're just going to steal everybody's stuff from the fridge <laughs> without their knowledge. Um, but yeah, steal so Ivan's, uh, I- Ivan's daily wrap? Exactly. Yeah, we're going to steal Ivan's wrap. Um, but yeah, right now, according to the website, they have uh, dinners in Austin, Berkeley, Denver, Brooklyn, San Francisco, Milwaukee, Houston, Seattle, D.C., and Wichita. And then it says upcoming at Glenvar Heights. Exactly, for, right. No. So uh, so anyway, yeah, check that out. Seemed like a cool idea to me. Um, I don't know how overrun they are because I was hearing about this on multiple podcasts and maybe there's a lot of demand. But they also have like a sort of like a, a kit for you to put together your own thing. Um, and I think they have like a, there's a mechanism there for them to help you like pay for some of the expenses and the whole thing. So cool idea. Uh, and it occurred to me like it'd be interesting to like do something like this with cigars. Well, we'll start with the the lechon thing that we want to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The big uh, pig cookout that we are. Would you be concerned going to one of these parties that hosted by a liberal, and they know you're the conservative and they might poison you? Is that what they would do? <laughs> I, I don't know if that's the attitude that Christ. they're. No. No. <laughs> no. Just. That's like what, just cornered, I think, is the worst scenario there. Don't you know that's what liberals do is poison? Yeah. Like, cool. uh, yeah. You taste my mashed potatoes first. <laughs> anyway, uh, you guys have anything else? Anything else we want to touch on here? Nobody. I think, you know, after three recommendations from you, now we have recommendation envy. Boom. That's what I do. I just come in here, take the recommendation section by storm, and with that, we're out of here. Look for us at CigarSnobMag.com. You can find the rest of these episodes at CigarSnobMag.com slash podcast. Look for us on Twitter and Instagram at CigarSnobMag. And look up Cigar Snob Magazine on Facebook. If you're on Google+, then it's just you and me. We should just talk directly. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Later, y'all. Adios. Adios.